but we are going back there, and Lord willing, we'll finish up the uh, book of chapter 4. Uh, just going to cover a few things, uh, just to refresh your memory tonight. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said the first three chapters deal with doctrine and our riches in Christ, while the last three chapters explain duty, our responsibilities, uh, which is our responsibilities in Christ. The key word in this last half of the book is walk, while the key idea in the first half is wealth. In these last three chapters, Paul admonished us to walk in unity, purity, harmony, and victory. The better we understand Bible doctrine, the easier it is to obey Bible duties. We are to guard, protect, and preserve this unity. To do this, we must understand four important facts. Fact number one, the grace of unity. Fact number two, the grounds of unity. Fact number three, the gifts for unity. And the last fact, fact number four, the growth of unity. The first uh, part of this sermon, we covered the grace of unity, and we spoke to you about how that we are to endeavor uh, in keeping, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace in verse number three. And that's what we talked to you about. We told you that the word endeavoring means to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt, and do give diligence, and to be diligent in labor and study. Uh, and so we talked to you about the grace of unity the first uh, week that we covered chapter 4. And the next week, uh, we covered the grounds of unity. Uh, and we talked about how uh, the, the grounds of unity is all in one, uh, in the oneness of Christ, and how that there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. And that is the grounds of unity. Seven times the word one is mentioned in uh, verses uh, four through six. Seven means completion. So when we become one with Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection, we come into perfect unity in the body of our Lord, the church, our brothers and sisters. Uh, but the flesh and sinful nature will always try to bring divisions and schisms. It'll try to cause broken bones within the body, which will cause suffering to every member, but mainly the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was on the grounds of unity. We moved on to verses 7 through 11 and talked to you about the gifts for unity. Uh, and Dr. Warren Wiersbe said that how does the believer discover and develop his gifts? By fellowshipping with other Christians in the local assembly. And gifts are not toys to play with. They are tools to build with. And if they are not used in love, they become weapons, weapons to fight with, which is what happened in the Corinthian church. Christians are not to live in isolation for after all, they are members of the same body. And we talked to you that uh, Sunday night a little on the gifts for unity and how that we are to use our gifts for the edifying of the church and for the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moving on to verses 12 through 16, we talked to you about the growth of unity and we talked to you about how that there was uh, some evidences to the Christian walk. There was evidences to spiritual growth. And those four spiritual evidences was uh, Christ-likeness, stability, truth in love, and in cooperation. And tonight, uh, with the Lord being our helper, verses 17 through 32 is where we'll cover. 
And I just kind of uh, – now, the title of the, the series has been Keep Calm and Love One Another. And I believe that the book of Ephesians, like many other New Testament books, gives us in great detail how that we can love one another. But tonight I want to talk to you specifically about how to walk in the unity of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So let's look in Ephesians chapter 4 and starting at verse number 17 tonight. If you will, uh, stand for the reverence of God's Word. The Word of God says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto all, uh, over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak in every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, and that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for this church. And Father, we thank you, Father, Lord, for what it means to us. God, we thank you, Lord, for the people of this church. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the great work that you're trying to do in this church. Father, I pray that you would help us to crucify our flesh. God, help us to bridle our tongues. Help us, Lord, to keep our minds upon whatsoever things are true and honest and of good report, whatever things are virtuous and praiseworthy. And God, help us, Lord, to uh, keep in us the mind of Christ so that we may walk in unity. Father, help us tonight, Lord, to learn more about unity tonight in the Scripture. Help us tonight, Lord, to walk in the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Father, help us today, God, to uh, uh, allow you to change our hearts, to change our minds. Help us, Lord, to allow you to change our comfort zone. Lord, to shake us up, God, that we may be different, Lord, than when you uh, first seen us. And God, that we would get better, Lord, about serving the Lord in spirit and in truth. And Father, I pray that you'd help us today, God, to do your will. God, I pray, Father, tonight, Lord, that you will give me the words to speak. 
Lord, help me, Lord, to preach this sermon, God, that you've laid on our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Jesus, to expositor uh, the word of God. Lord, pierce the hearts of your hearers uh, tonight. And God, help us to grow closer to you. And we give you the thanks and honor and praise. Father, fill me with your spirit because I cannot do this alone. And Lord, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross because, Lord, I don't want to be seen. And God, I don't want nobody to hear me, but God, I want them to hear from heaven. And Father, I want them to hear from you. And I want them to see Jesus Christ high and lifted up. Because you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Lord, we love you tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated uh, this evening. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. What's he saying? He's saying, if you've been in Christ, and we know that he uh, told us that we were in Christ in chapter 2, he said that uh, he has placed us in Christ, and we are seated with him together in heavenly places. So once you have been born again, you've been bought by the blood of Christ, uh, you have been placed, you have been positioned in heavenly places in, in Christ Jesus. And he's saying here, he said that you henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk. What I find that Paul is telling us is that when we say that we're in Christ, when we say that we are a, a child of God, that we shouldn't walk like we used to walk. We shouldn't live the way we used to live. Our old desires, they should be passed away. We shouldn't have a desire to hang around our new friends, or our old friends, but we should have a desire to find new friends, godly friends, Godly people that we can be around that will encourage us to be better Christians. That will lift us up in prayer when we are struggling. But also when we go through hard times, that they will bind together with us and endure that suffering with us and help us win Christ. He said, walk not, uh, he said, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind in the vanity of their mind. Listen, before I came to know Christ, my mind was polluted. My mind was vanity. And there's sometimes, even after being in Christ for many years now, there's times that my mind gets polluted. Your mind ever get polluted? I'll tell you, when I worked a secular job, that was the easiest place for a man's mind to get polluted. It was probably one of the hardest places to keep yourself uh, uh, in a place where God wanted you to be. But it was a great testing to my faith uh, when I worked a secular job because it gave me an opportunity to show those men that I worked with that I really was who I said I was. And it took me conditioning myself, like I talked to you this morning, conditioning my spiritual man so that when they told the dirty jokes, I didn't go along with them. So that I wasn't the one speaking the dirty jokes or making the filthy comments. So that I wasn't the one lying and cussing and, and, and talking about getting drunk on, on the weekend or going and partying or, or whatever, spending my money. But that when I spoke, that they heard the word of Christ. And it might not have been quoting Bible scripture to them every day, but that they would hear a clean conversation come out of my mouth. 
so that they would know that in my mind, I'm not thinking of those polluted thoughts. And there was times, listen, we're all human. Now, that's no excuse to walk in the flesh, to say, well, I'm only human. You know, I can't, you know, I can't be perfect. That ain't what our Bible teaches. Our Bible teaches that if we uh, will submit ourselves unto the Lord, James chapter 4 and verse 7, he said that if we submit ourselves, therefore, unto God to resist the devil. He wouldn't have told us to resist the devil if it wasn't possible. It is possible to resist the devil. But the only way that we will resist the devil and not have the vanity of our mind is if we submit to the Lord. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But draw nigh unto God, and God will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your heart, ye sinners, and pur- er, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. Purify your heart, because when the heart is purified, then you won't be double-minded. He said, don't walk as other Gentiles who walk after the vanity of their mind, having their under- having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. How many of you were raised in church? I was raised in church. Thank God for it. I thank God for my godly heritage. We knew the Word of God. We knew what the Word of God told us. But as we grew up and as sin started reigning in our lives and as we started becoming who we actually were because we're sinners, right? By nature, we're all sinners. And the older you get, the more you mature as a human, the more your true self will come out. Now, I was young when I got saved, but there was sin in my life uh, that showed me who I was. And I want to say this, it says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. Verse 18. And he, what he's talking about, and I, you may disagree with me here, but what I believe that the Apostle Paul is talking about is that how that they knew the Word of God, but the Word of God has not been revealed to them. Listen, you didn't get born again, but based off of your prior knowledge of the Word of God. What happened is that the Holy Ghost reveal to you that the truth of the Word of God was true and that it showed you your sin. God revealed your sin to you in the moment that He convicted you. Prior to the revelation from God, you didn't know. You didn't know that you were convicted and that you needed uh, to repent. But in the moment that God began dealing with my heart, and this was months before I ever accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, The Word of God was revealed to me and the scales fell off my eye and it showed me that I was a sinner and I was headed for hell. And that's what he's talking about here, I personally believe. Uh, He's saying not having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I believe that many people today are walking around as the Gentiles were Having their having the uh, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance because of the blindness of their heart. I believe there are several people today uh, in today's world that has a blindness of their heart because 
the light of Christ has not been shown in their life to reveal their sin and to show them that there is a devil's hell waiting on them if they do not repent of their sin. We are to walk in the unity of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We are to walk in the Spirit and share the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe it is, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me see if I can go there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. If you have our uh, church cards, it has a part of this scripture on there. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 3, it says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5 is what's on our cards. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I believe that's what he's referencing here. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost because the God of this world has blinded their eyes because the devil does not want the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to be shown in that unbeliever's heart because as long as the light does not appear, he keeps them in bondage and he keeps them in the dark and he will drag them straight to hell and they'll never know it. That's why God has called each and every one of us to evangelize and to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good news, to tell people that when they are in darkness and when they're walking after their own ungodly lust, that Jesus Christ came. He paid the ransom for them so that they could be set free out of sin's prison and have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that they may receive everlasting life, which only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 7, verses 5 through 6 says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, uh, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. That being dead, wherein we were held that we should serve in the newness of spirit. Meaning that as we have been regenerated by the work of the Holy Ghost, we have been placed in Jesus Christ, and now we are to serve by the Spirit. I believe it was in uh, 1 John, I mean not 1 John, but in St. John's Gospel, chapter number 14, uh, he said that he would send the Comforter, and the Comforter is for our peace. And that comforter is the Spirit that we receive on the day that we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and ask Him to be the Lord over our life. He puts the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us so that when we wake up every day, we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. One uh, writer said, 
uh, though uh, our outer man perish, our inner man is renewed day by day. I believe it was Paul that said that. Dr. Warren Wearsby said that the fact uh, that we have been called in Christ ought to motivate us to walk in unity. And the fact that we have been raised from the dead should motivate us to walk in purity. Or as Paul told the Romans, walk in the newness of life. We are alive in Christ, not dead in sins. Therefore, put off the old man and put on the new man. Take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. Did you understand what I said? Take off your grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. You need God's grace in order to live in the Spirit. You can't do it in your flesh. You cannot, and some I think some people really think they can do this, People cannot live in the flesh and walk in the Spirit. It will not happen. So we need the grace of God to slay our fleshly man, to slay our old man, to put him to death, to bury him in the uh, burial of Jesus Christ, and that we should walk in the Spirit. But in order to walk in the Spirit, you've got to live in the Spirit. A dead man don't walk. And your flesh is a dead man. He will not walk in Christ. The flesh and the spirit, they are warring against each other. And the flesh is enmity against God. So if you are living in your flesh Monday through Saturday, don't expect to walk in the church door on Sunday or walking in the spirit. It ain't going to work. You have to live in the Spirit. It is a daily walk. It is a daily consciousness of saying, Lord, help me to crucify my flesh so that I might live in the Spirit and that I may walk according to the blessed Word of God. That I will keep your commandments. That I will do as you have me to do. But in order to do that, we have to have God's grace to lay down the old man to take off our grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. Verses 17 through 19, we see Paul admonishing to not walk as the heathen or as Wiersbe suggested, to take off your stinking clothes of death and be clothed in a new man in Jesus Christ and walk in righteousness and true holiness. He said in verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. They, but they, they've done this for so long. They've been blinded for so long that their actions have become numb. Being past feeling means to become calloused. I believe that some of our church people, I'm not just talking about Bluebell, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I believe that so many have failed to read Ephesians chapter 4. And though they are saved, they do not crucify the old man. And that's who lives the most. Brother Doyle Williamson from Missouri. Lord willing, uh, sometime in the future, if the Lord tarries, I'd love to have him come preach here. 
But I heard him preach a message one time, and he said, whichever uh, animal you feed the most is the one that's going to live. He said, if you feed the flesh the most, then your spirit's going to starve, and your flesh is going to outlive your spirit. But he said, if you feed the spiritual man, then you'll starve your flesh, and you'll be able to live in the spirit and walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the one in who you feed the most on a daily basis, that's the one that's going to live. That's the one that people's going to see. And I believe that there's many in the church today who have not read Ephesians chapter 4 or maybe uh, have not understood what it was pertaining to. But I believe that we've got a lot of people who uh, are, are saved folks but they are still walking by the oldness of the letter. And they have done that for so long that their hearts have become hardened. And when God tries to get them to move, they're so hard that they don't even budge. They become fossilized. You've heard it for hundreds of years probably. Some preachers have said going into some churches looks like you're walking into a cemetery because there ain't nothing there but headstones. That's about, that's about the truth. You walk in, you try and, and preach what God has uh, put on your heart all week. Listen, I know what it's like to, to study all week for a, a, a message from heaven and, and God put the fire of heaven on your heart. And you come in here and step behind the pulpit, the sacred desk of God, asking God's anointing to breathe upon us and, and preach as hard as you know how to do. And you think, man, that's got to stir some hearts. And you just sit there. Calloused. Numb. Fossilized. Like a bunch of cemetery headstones. Hadn't God been good enough to you to make you want to live for Him? Has Jesus not done enough for us that we ought to be able to read the Word of God to lay down our fleshly wants and our selfish motives and just say, Thank you, Lord. Can we not even come into the house of God and walk in the Spirit and say, Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me this week. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a roof over my head at night. Thank you, Lord, for the food on my table. Thank you, Lord, for the money in my pocket. Thank you, Lord, for my family's health. But we've got so calloused by walking after the old man, walking after the flesh, that we do not even move when the Holy Spirit tries to nudge us. We're like a knot on a log. God has not called us. He did not send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a rugged cross so that we would be saved and then dry upon the bone. He called us so that we might be alive in Christ Jesus. And if you're not living in the Spirit, if you're not alive in Christ tonight, it's your own fault. Because Christ has done everything that He needed to do in order to make you alive. Well, I ain't getting too many amens tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. I, I don't want to have to re-go over Ephesians, but I will if I need to. I'll go over it as many times till we get it through 
Not, I don't want it to get through your heart. I don't want to get, I don't want it to get through your mind. I want it to get through your heart. You ever talk to somebody and you say, I can't believe you. I can't get nothing through that thick skull of yours. I believe that God is looking at the church and telling the church the exact same thing. He says, I've told you and I've told you and I've told you, but nothing is getting through that thick skull of ours. Listen, I don't think he necessarily wants it to get through our minds. He don't want it to go through one ear and out the other. He wants it to go in our heart. He wants it to penetrate our heart. He wants the word of God to change our heart so that we are better for the cause of Christ. So that we are no longer in numbness, no longer headstones, but we are bodies walking in Christ, walking in the Spirit, fulfilling the duties of a Christian. And the word Christian is not a religious term. It means that we are to be Christ-like. To be Christ-like. So take off the stinking clothes of death and put on your grace clothes, being clothed in the new man after Christ. No doubt, as soon as Jesus raised Lazarus, the first thing he done was went and showered. And I'm talking about Lazarus. Can you imagine? Lazarus being a dead man in John chapter 11. Lazarus laying there. He was dead. And Jesus said, roll back the stone. And all of them that was around him said, but Lord, he's been dead for four days. He stinks by now. They didn't want to smell the stench of death. Their unbelief. They had got so hardened. Jesus told them two days prior, he said, I'm coming. Jesus said, I'll be there. But he tarried another day. He was four days late by the time he got to Bethany. But he kept his promise. He done what he said he was going to do. And when he got there, they had got so hardened because of their unbelief that they didn't think that Christ was able to raise him from the dead. When they said, roll back the stone, all they'd done was murmur and complain. That's like of many of us. God says move and all we do is murmur and complain. Grumble. Well, why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that. Walk in the unity of the Spirit. And as he rolled back that stone, we know that the Word of God says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, and that man rose out of that tomb and I believe that because of he, he was being bound by the grave clothes, I believe he probably hobbled over to the door of that tomb. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Can you imagine how bad it smelt? Their embalming techniques was not like the 21st century embalming techniques that they have today. But I promise you this, that after a couple of months of being in the ground, uh, I used to work for a funeral home, and when we had to uh, exhume a body, uh, it still, there wasn't enough chemicals to keep that body from decaying or to keep that body from smelling. The only thing that they used in the time of, uh, of Lazarus and Christ was aloes and myrrh and, and different herbs that they found uh, that was nice smell, and they would try to cover that in the body. Uh, on the body and different things. 
but I believe that Lazarus could smell the stench of death on him. And I personally believe that he went inside the house and he bathed and he put on a clean robe. It's time the church takes off our grave clothes, we go shower, we get clean clothes, and we start walking in the Spirit. Because Lazarus, he smelt his stench, and you know everybody there, when they seen them, when he when they seen Lazarus walk out the tomb, they done this right here. They might have had masks back then. They tried to put their mask on. Man, I should have brought mine in. Because they didn't want to smell him. Listen, if you're a child of God and you're still wrapped up in your grave clothes, you need to get free tonight. If you're still bound by your grave clothes, I promise you the stench of death is still on you. You might be alive, but everybody around you can still smell death. That's where a lot of Christians are. A lot of people, they, they're like Lazarus before he went and got cleaned up. He was alive. Jesus, arose, Jesus raised him from the dead. And a sinner who is dead in trespasses and sins, Christ will redeem them and buy them back, and he will quicken them and make them alive. But if they do not change their ways, they do not change their garments, the people around them will still smell the stench of death on them. Y'all get that tonight, later. But no doubt, as Lazarus was uh, made alive in that tomb, I personally believe, by imagination tonight, this is not biblical. This is just my uh, imagination taking over. I believe Lazarus probably went in the house, probably got him a nice sharp stone or whatever it was that they shaved with. He probably groomed himself up and shaved his face and, and got all nice and clean. Probably went and used some myrrh or aloe and washed his hair. Probably took a... a, a, a I can't even think of the name of the tree now. I remember my dad and my, my grandparents tell me that they used to use it to brush their teeth with. I can't even remember the name of it. Not spruce, but... Anyway... I'll think of it later, maybe. But I'm sure that he took whatever he could to brush his teeth and get them all nice and clean, get that bad breath out. He probably went in and got some uh, 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 some dial soap, washed his body, got all nice and clean, got all that dirt and stuff that was on him off and took all that stench away. And whatever cologne he could find, he probably put on the nice-smelling oil that he had. When they walked out, he was a new man. He was a new man. And listen, when God will set you free out of your grave clothes, there are some things that we must do in order to walk in the Spirit. And when you walk in the Spirit, people will know you're a new person. They'll know it. And that's what we need to do also. And be renewed in the Spirit of your minds. He said, but ye have not so learned Christ in verse 20. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We need a renewing tonight. Our minds need to be renewed. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to have a renewing of our mind. And how we do that is we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, because it is our reasonable service. He said, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. I'll just let the word minister to you tonight. Wherefore, put away lying. I don't have to add anything to that. That's pretty clear, ain't it? In order to walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to be an honest man. You're going to have to tell the truth. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I'll tell you this about me. If I ever go to sleep mad at somebody, I wake up the next morning twice as mad. Anybody else like that? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my flesh. But if I don't crucify my flesh before bed, if I'm angry at somebody... I'll wake up the next morning and I'm twice as mad at them. And when you're twice as mad at somebody, that's where the sin comes in. That's where the sin comes in. It ain't that you got mad. It ain't that you got upset. But it's that when you let the sun go down on your wrath and, and you've not willingly in your heart forgive that person and ask God to forgive you, then you wake up the next morning and you're twice or three times as mad as you were before you laid your head on the pillow. And that's where the sin comes in. That's where the flesh takes over. Verse 27, probably one of my favorites out of the chapter 4. Neither give place to the devil. So don't let your don't let your wrath, uh, uh, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, and neither give place to the devil. All that semicolon there, you see that? Uh, not semicolon. You see that colon there after your wrath? That is, uh, it, it's kind of, it, in order for it to not become a run-on sentence or a, a compound sentence or whatever the word is for it, they put that colon in there and that way it separates it. But you can read it as, let not the sun go down upon your wrath and neither give place to the devil. There's been times, yeah, your preacher's guilty of it. I ain't perfect. I try to be. See, I ain't making an excuse. Well, I'm only human. I can't. No, yes, yes, we can. We can try to be perfect. We can strive to be perfect. But there's been times where I've given place to the devil and I've quenched the Holy Spirit and as soon as I do, I think, how crazy. I'm ignorant. 
Why did I do that? Because when you do that, when you give place to the devil, the first thing he's going to steal from you is your joy. And he's going to replace your joy with guilt. And you're going to walk around in your grave clothes of guilt. Because that's Satan's job. He's, He's a thief. He's a robber. He tries to steal the very life that Christ has given to you. He's trying to steal it away. Thank God I'm in his, I'm in the Father's hands. Amen. And in John 10, he said, No man can pluck you out of my hands. I and my Father are one. Bless God, the devil can try all he wants to, but he ain't going to get me. The boogeyman ain't going to get you, Don. Because you're in God's hands. There ain't, no, there ain't no man that can pluck you out. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's right, Lydia. You tell. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says this, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That's why we are to be forgiven of one another. That's why we are to walk in the unity of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. I preached a couple Sunday mornings ago of how uh, Jesus was telling them that they had heard of uh, uh, of old time, an uh, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But he said, I tell you, love your enemies. Forgive them that dis- despitefully use you and persecute you. Same principle applies here. He said, uh, for I forgave anything to whom I forgave it. For your sakes forgave I it in the person of Jesus Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. See, if we have bitterness in our hearts towards somebody and we have unforgiveness in our hearts towards somebody or or toward uh, uh, something, well, Satan's already got the advantage, ain't he? Because he has accomplished exactly what he's set out to do. See, there's two sowers. And we want to be a sower of the Word of God. But Satan, he has his dark angels, his demonic angels. And they're going out sowing seeds of division. They're sowing seeds of uh, uh, doubt and disbelief. And they're sowing uh, uh, seeds of bitterness and unforgiveness. And if they can take root in the church, listen, friend, it'll destroy a church unless it's taken care of. That's why we must forgive one another in the person of Jesus Christ so that Satan does not take advantage of us so that Satan does not uh, get in the way of what God is trying to do with us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. 
Hebrews chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says, But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that should not that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they cannot enter in because of unbelief. I'm afraid that there'll be a lot of people come judgment day who will think that they'll just walk happily on in to the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus will look at them. Well, I assume he'll look at them. He may turn his face from them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you because of unbelief. Don't let unbelief set up in your heart. Don't let unbelief sow seeds of division, seeds of unforgiveness. Jesus said that if you'd just have a mustard seed of faith, you'd be able to look to this mount and cast it forth into the depths of the sea and it would, it would be removed. Do you know that's what it takes for unforgiveness and bitterness to be removed out of a person's heart? Because listen, there is a lot of people who's carried unforgiveness for years and all it's done is mountain, mountain up, taller than the Rocky Mountains. And they've harbored that unforgiveness and bitterness in their heart. And the only one that can remove it is the Lord. The only one that can is the Lord. And what it takes is a mustard seed of faith. Because if you want it gone, bless God, it can be removed. If you're tired of harboring that, that young man that came and prayed last night at the river walk, I asked him, I said, how do you feel? After we prayed, I said, how do you feel? I asked him his name first, and I said, Sammy, how do you feel? He said, I feel like this great weight has been lifted off of me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's pretty good evidence to me that the Lord done a work. Because listen, I've never brought anything to the Lord. And listen, there's been times, I ain't going to lie to you tonight, there's been times that I brought things to the Lord and I didn't really leave it with Him. Because if I really left it with Him, I wouldn't carry the weight around. I wouldn't carry the unbelief around. But there's been times when I just couldn't carry the load anymore, where I couldn't carry the weight of the world that I was carrying on my shoulders any longer. And I brought it to the Lord and I asked the Lord to help me with it. And you know what he done? He took his loving hands and he lifted that weight off of me. And I could walk in the newness of life. He had renewed my spirit. He had restored the joy of my salvation. He had renewed my mind. And I was able to walk in the unity of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter anymore. And that's what I want for our church. I don't want us to walk in the oldness of the letter. I'm tired of living by the law. Listen, let's live by grace. Let's let God's grace do a work in our church. Let's, God, let's let God's grace grow our church the way that God wants it to. Because listen, 
The devil fights the hardest when God has a greater blessing. You don't know what this church is going to look like in a year, in two years, in five years, in ten years. Good Lord willing, I'll still be here. But God's will cannot be performed if we keep ourselves in the way. we got to get ourselves out of the way and just let God's grace have His way. Let God's will be done in us. Don't dam up the flow of the Spirit. Listen, we need to be a bunch of trout instead of a bunch of beavers. We just need to flow with the stream. Let God move. Let God's Spirit flow through us. And may we flow in the Spirit, in the Spirit of unity. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you will, stand with us tonight. I pray that the Lord spoke to you in some way.